vampires and haters, welcome back to the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski. And I'm Rachel Stukenborg. And today we're back for another episode of Twi-Fight, the only podcast on the internet that debates the pros and cons of the Twilight Saga. This week we're breaking down chapter 11, Complications, and chapter 12, Balancing, of the first Twilight novel. Okay, let's get to it. So as we left off from the previous chapter, there was yet another ending of like in the cafeteria, just talking all day. There was the whole thing about how Bella thinks that she cares more for Edward than he does for her. And then the whole thing about how Edward and Emmett like to snack on mountain lions and grizzly bears, respectively. Yes, of course. Who doesn't <laughs> love to rile up a grizzly bear or something like, ir- irritate a grizzly bear, I think is what it was. Something like that. Yeah. So they're leaving the cafeteria on their way to bio again after this questionably sexy cafeteria conversation. I wouldn't call it a sexy cafeteria conversation. Just questionably no, sexy. Just, just like a little bit sexy. Yeah. But like not really. No. Not as sexy as the, <laughs> the bio. bio conversation. But good news, we're headed back to bio and Ooh. it's movie day. Movie day. Mr. Teacher rolls in the TV and it's time to watch a bio movie. This whole scene is about how like the second that the lights go off, they're hyper aware of each other sitting next to each other and there's like electricity in the air and she just really wants to reach out and touch him. So she's like balled up her hands into her fists and is, is trying not to, I don't know, act on that instinct. Yeah, she's losing it the whole time. They're like both kind of very tense just like it's it's a little weird but I also kind of like relate to it a little bit like when you're young and you're like sitting next to your crush there's, there's kind of just like an innocent electricity to it or just like yeah. being very aware of the other person like I think it's so funny that you have it written here as like an innocent electricity because in my mind I was like are they just like super horny for each other in this whole <laughs> scene is that just what this is oh, I must well maybe <laughs> I think what I related to was more of the innocent part of it but maybe they're just like crazy sexual tension. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess it, it, it is the kind of thing, though. It's like you start dating someone and then you, like, go to a movie together or you're like, sitting on the couch and you turn off the lights and you're watching a movie and you're definitely, like, way more aware of each other. And it's like every right. move they make, you can feel it. Yeah. Right. But it's, it could also be innocent. That's fine. You can, like, hear each other breathing and then you hear yourself <laughs> breathing and then you, like, think about the fact that you're breathing and then you have to keep thinking about it in order to keep breathing. Yeah. I can't identify with that. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Maybe they're super horny. Maybe it's an innocent high school thing. Who knows? I love this line here, though, where she says, I couldn't concentrate on the movie. I didn't even know what subject it was on. Probably bio, right? (laughs) You're in bio. You're in bio. I mean, I'm assuming this is like a biology movie. It's because it doesn't seem like a special occasion. I mean, we watched a lot of movies growing up, I feel like at least a couple times a year, but it was usually like the day before winter break or something. A teacher would be like, eh, you pretty much wrapped everything up here. Let's watch 10 Things I Hate About You or something. (laughs) It was like, I do remember vividly in fifth grade, 
grade, it was the year that, or, or maybe like a year after, it was right around the time that March of the Penguins came out, and we watched it like in three different classes. Wow, I remember We're that. watching March of the Penguins again. And it was, was somehow like the teacher made it relevant to every class. We watched it in like science, yeah. in literature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely remember watching it multiple times. I know I also saw it in theaters, so I definitely, like, there was a year where I watched March of the Penguins, like, three times. It's so annoying. It's I remember movie. watching Up in Spanish class, in Spanish. That's the only time I've ever seen Up. Oh, yeah, we watched a lot of, like, Disney movies in German, in German yeah. class. That was always fun. So I still don't really understand the appeal of Up, because I've only seen it in Spanish. And, and, like, while I understood what was going on, I was kind of like, eh. Was it still sad in Spanish? Yeah, it was really sad. It's <laughs> a stupid question. Of course it's still sad. <laughs> Just in Spanish. One time, I remember I watched Mulan in history class, and the teacher, like, talked it up like it was going to be some documentary about ancient China, and everyone was kind of like, okay. And then he, like, turned it on, and the Disney opening credits started rolling, and everyone lost it. It was the best day ever. I've just, now it's, like, coming back to me, all these random movies I've seen. Like, I watched Kung Fu Panda in band class once. (laughs) Why did we need a movie day in band class? Oh, my God. I watched Monster House in band class. Uh, yeah, I remember that too. I remember watching, I think I was in that class because I remember that. Probably were. We were both in band, so. We were both in the same <laughs> band class at least at one year. Yeah. I feel like that was our like post-concert celebration. Like, hey, you kind of put on a concert and you get to watch Kung Fu Panda now. Hey, middle school band concerts were legit. <laughs> you play in the French horn. Oh yeah. yeah. You in the sax. Oh yeah. Good Saxy time. sax. Yeah. So anyway, they have this whole scene in bio class and then he walks her to gym he touches her face. <laughs> yep. It says, he raised his hand, hesitant, conflict raging in his eyes, and then swiftly brushed the length of my cheekbone with his fingertips. Then she was just, like, absolutely out of it for the next several hours, just in her Edward days. <laughs> I guess, like, a cheek stroke seems nice. I, it's a big it's a big moment for them because they've never, like, held hands or anything. It is a big step for them. They've made a point to not touch each other. It's almost like first base in vampire-human dating world. I was just thinking, should we start keeping track of what the, like, much like how we had our Harry Potter base scale, should we have, like, a vampire base scale? Absolutely we should. Okay, great. So this is first base, which is a nice cheek stroke. <laughs> Note it. First base. They did it, guys. We'll come back to that and and see what second base is (laughs) in the vampire world. My hunch is there's going to be more than three bases or four or whatever. Have you ever had anyone stroke your cheek? I think I talked about this before. Like one time somebody did try to kiss me and they they tried to, I can't remember if they were trying to stroke my cheek or like put my hair behind my ear, but they were trying something too much. That's probably the closest. Mm. I don't know if anyone's ever like, I don't know, brushed my (laughs) I wish you guys could have seen that. (laughs) She did a nice little. Cheek stroke on the zoom. Yeah, but I basically did the thing where it's more like old fashioned lady pose, back <laughs> of the hand on your own face. Like roaring 20s, you have a beauty mark in your hand. Right, like, roaring 20s. Yeah. You're like holding that long cigarette thing. <laughs> this makes sense in my mind. I, anyway. I can see it. Right. So she goes to gym class, and I just want to call out a couple quotes here because we're probably going to just kind of gloss over all of them later. All right. First off, when she's in bio class still, she groans, time for 
gym. I stood with care, worried my balance might have been affected by the strange new intensity between us. Okay, she gets to P.E. Reality didn't fully set in until I was handed a racket. It wasn't heavy, yet it felt very unsafe in my hand. I could see a few of the other kids in class eyeing me furtively. <laughs> and then, it didn't go smoothly. I somehow managed to hit myself in the head with my racket and clip Mike's shoulder on the same swing. Literally how? how? Why are they that close to each other? What Did, did she right? toss the racket? Like, what happened? Also, to hit herself in the head and Mike's shoulder at the same time. I'm, like, trying to imagine the physics of it, the, like, trajectory her racket would have had been going. She would have had to, like, hold it, you know, perpendicular to her face, swing it at her face, and then somehow also hit Mike behind her. Why are you even trying? You know you're gonna hurt people. Yeah. Just stop. Just take the fail. <laughs> take the fail. Take the L on this one. Look, back in chapter eight, when they were in Port Angeles, we, oh, I think it was that chapter, whatever, chapter seven and eight, back in chapter seven and eight, when they had their badminton lesson, and we said that she was going to be armed with a racket and unleashed, unleashed. on the class, <laughs> this is happening. Right. And poor Mike, who's just like still willing to be her partner. Yeah, he volunteered for this because no one wanted to be on her team. <laughs> he did her a solid. Yeah. Apparently he's really good though and they still win three out of four games somehow. Yeah. Good job, Mike. Good job. Mike is not happy. Yeah. So after he's done winning the games for her, he tries to have a little conversation with her and he's like, Bella, to be honest, I don't like Edward. <laughs> and she was like, suddenly like very mad at him again. And he continues. Well, he looks at you like, like you're something to eat. And then she just kind of laughs and runs into the locker room. Yeah. I mean, accurate. He does look at her like that. Yeah. Perceptive Mike. I do think it's really funny that he's just like, oh, you and Cullen. I don't like it. <laughs> it just feels very upfront saying that. I know that's something that's a line in particular that does translate very well to the movie. So I'm excited to, to see that one. I know they nice. include that line. So that's good. Yeah. I was a little upset that she was like, immediately mad at Mike again because he just did her a big solid in gym being on her team and taking the blows from her racket and he's honestly like kind of being a good friend and looking out for her being like I don't think he I don't think Edward's a great guy he looks at you weird. The thing with Mike is that he's like, in some ways, this might be his human instinct realizing that Edward is not safe to be around, but it might also just be his jealousy, which I think is definitely part of what Bella's reading into it. Right. So I could understand, like, I wouldn't want to date someone and then have somebody who, I mean, is kind of my friend, but like, kind of someone, you know, like, had a crush on you, come up to you and just tell you, like, ah, I don't like that you're dating that guy. That'd be kind of rude. That's true. I guess his opinion is a little bad biased. Yes, but there's a really great exchange after this when Edward's waiting for Bella outside of gym again, and she's like, oh, you weren't you weren't listening again, were you? Because he's, Edward's mad, you know, that he clearly overheard this or knows Mike's thoughts. He's like, ah, Newton's getting on my nerves. Yeah. Uh, you weren't listening again. I was horror struck. All traces of my sudden good mood vanished. How's your head? He asked innocently. <laughs> I just love that he casually is like, oh, how you doing? I, I saw that you uh whacked yourself in the head before for. Because somehow, and I don't buy this, if he's been interested in her, I I don't believe that he would have not paid attention to how she was doing in gym before this. But he's certainly paying attention now. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like he's been watching her for a long time. More yes. than she realizes. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway, so she gets mad at him for listening again. And they have a little exchange where like, he's trying to get back on her good side. He asks her if he'll forgive him. If he says that he's sorry and he means it. And if he lets her drive on their little trip 
Rockboat for the weekend. And she agrees. So then they keep talking back to normal. She brings up the question again from lunch where he said she could never watch him hunt. He got really upset at her when she said, oh, cool, could I see you hunt sometime? And he got really angry. And so she asks now a follow-up of like, why were you so mad about that question? Why is it that I can't see you hunt? At this point, I think he's driven her home. And he says when vampires hunt, they really let themselves over to their senses and that he would have a much harder time stopping himself from hurting her if she was around in that scenario. Right. It's like a shark with blood in the water. They just kind of go into a frenzy. Yes, exactly. Although you would think, hopefully, that like a, a hundred years or however long he's been alive that he could handle this a little bit better, I guess. Yeah, it adds to the plot. <laughs> so there's a lot more of this just like them having conversations, sitting in the car, electricity between them. I don't know, his breath smells sweet, whatever, all that nonsense. Ew. Yeah, and then she has a hard time sleeping that night, which I know that I keep like just dropping these little little tidbits in, okay? Because it's gonna be important at some point, I think. Okay. I have a theory and I'm just, I'm not, I'm not releasing what my theory is yet. Okay. But I have, I'll, I'll let you know when it's gonna happen. A theory about the dreams? Yeah, about okay. the dreams and the sleeping. There's just like a lot of little moments that I've been like, hey, note this, we'll come back to it and I'm gonna collect them all together. And so I just want to note again that she says that she has like a really hard time sleeping. She dreams of Edward again. They don't get too specific, but they say that that same sort of electric charge feel is in the dream as well. And then she finally falls asleep in the middle of the night, but you know, is kind of restless. The next morning, Charlie questions her again about whether or not she's going to go to Seattle because at this point, her and Edward have decided that they're going to do something else and not actually go to Seattle. She says, that was the plan. I grimaced, wishing that he hadn't brought it up so I wouldn't have to compose half-truths. Again, I don't really understand why she feels like she has to lie to Charlie. Charlie's cool and he's already made it clear that he likes the Cullens and defends them from people who don't like them. So I feel like with this, it like doesn't make sense to me, but I think the only explanation, unless you have a better one, is that Stephanie Meyer might just be trying to like play into the middle school, high school mindset of like wanting to rebel against your parents, but I don't really feel like she's doing a great job of it because it doesn't make sense to me. Well, these two chapters back to back are kind of confusing because in this chapter, chapter 11, she goes around continuing the lie that she is going to Seattle. And then next chapter, and we'll talk about it in a minute, she switches tactic, continues to lie, but now says she's not going to Seattle anymore. So she says the truth that she's not going, but then doesn't actually say what she is doing. And we'll get to why that is in the next chapter. But I think at this point, a lot of it is her not wanting to get into a discussion with her dad about guys she might be interested in, if she made it seem like she was dating Edward, which is kind of what word is around the school at this point, which is kind of interesting that he doesn't know. That's true, because Charlie knows everything in this town. Right. He's very in tuned in the community, so you'd yeah. think maybe he would have heard that at least that his daughter's friends with Edward. Right. But I would just assume at this point it's like she doesn't want to get into that conversation with him, but she doesn't enjoy lying to him about what it is she's doing. And then Charlie's also asks again, like, oh, don't you want to go to the dance and stuff? She's like, dad, no, I don't dance. And he's like, yeah, but didn't, didn't any of the boys ask you? So I think it's really cute that he's worried that nobody asked her to dance. <laughs> See, he wants her to date someone, so she should just yeah. tell him that she's kind of dating Edward. Yeah, exactly. I did want to talk about this. This is what I was referencing with that whole sleep thing. So Edward picks her up for school again, and he's going to like bombard her with more questions and asks all these tiny details of her life. Now it's his turn to ask the questions. But there's a couple funny things. So he first picks her up and he says, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you. I was always in a good mood when I was around him. And then he notices the dark 
circles under her eyes and says that she looks tired, which I just want to note that. Okay. And she says she couldn't sleep. And he says, neither could I, which is like a cute little joke that they had there. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just noting that this is like the third time that he has noticed or referenced her looking tired or not sleeping, etc. He seems to always pick up on that fact. Like we know that she's not being able to sleep because she's having dreams or whatever. But anyway, we'll just, we'll come back to that. But the whole neither could I thing was kind of funny. I feel like I know where this is going now, but I won't say anything yet. We'll get, we'll get back to it. Just take a little note. Yeah, take a little note. So then, yeah, they're driving. He's asking, you know, what's her favorite color? What movies she likes and doesn't like? There's kind of an annoying little thing here when he asks about her favorite color. It says, I rolled my eyes. It changes from day to day. Like, who are you, Bella, little snob? <laughs> like, and it says, like, she dresses based on her mood. Having sure. a mood of, like, what color you want to wear today or, like, what would brighten your day, that's not the same thing as a favorite color. Most people still have, like, a generic favorite color that's, like, you know, if they had to go to a store and pick out a notebook, they'd pick it out in that color. Agreed. Also, the fact that she rolled her eyes that, like, he didn't know that, that's not a normal thing, and how would he have known that otherwise? It's not a normal thing no. to not have a favorite color. It changes from day to day. It changes from day to day. It's not a phase. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, what's your favorite gemstone? I'm sorry, do most high schoolers have a favorite gemstone? I don't have a favorite gemstone. If anyone had a favorite gemstone, most of the time it would be whatever your birthstone is, probably. Right. Honestly, I can probably only name like three gemstones. Yeah, I can and name like two three. of them were named in the book, so I'm just thinking of those. Yeah. Diamond. <laughs> and she names the color of his eyes. She says topaz, but then she says, like, this is like Bella gets a little word vomity with him. She like, doesn't know when to like not speak. And then she's like, but if you had asked me in two weeks, I would have said onyx. Like, oh my gosh. Well, is onyx like dark? I don't even know. I think it's black. I okay. Guess. Anyway. Because <laughs> it's his eyes. They change. Yeah, his oh. eye color. Get it, guys? Oh, she's obsessed. I did want to point out, so I got a message from Kirsten McKinnis, who, of course, is my co-host on my Riverdale podcast. Hey. Yeah, and Kirsten wanted to let us know that now this is like a, I don't really think it's a spoiler, but something I'm just going to say. Midnight Sun has obviously come out, which is Twilight from Edward's perspective. I have not read it yet, but <laughs> she said that apparently they do state the band from the CD that we were talking about before, of which CD she was listening to that she got from Phil for Christmas yeah. and to help her fall asleep the other day. So apparently it's a Linkin Park CD. Oh, hey, I did not expect that. But I feel like that's sort of in the same kind of vein of like some of the other stuff we had mentioned like thinking that maybe it was Muse or Metallica or something like that. Yeah, definitely heavier, but I expected it to be something from the 80s. Yeah, so no, more modern, okay. but um but it comes up again because apparently he also has the same CD and she's yeah. very intrigued that he has classical music and also Linkin Park. Edward is multifaceted, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also the point of this little thing was for him to be like, "Oh, we like the same music." I also listen to the Linkin Park. I remember she was listening to that CD because it was the only thing she had available and she was like, this is not my genre, but I just want to drown out my thoughts. So that's not like even a bonding moment. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know that she likes it now, but assuming that a Linkin Park CD came out, because Linkin Park, you know, was pretty popular in, in the time when Twilight was written. Right. So assuming that a CD had come out relatively recently, not that surprising that they both would happen to have the same CD. Right. It's not like, oh, look, we both have this obscure taste where we both have a, I don't know. Debussy. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Yeah. So they go to bio again. And hey, look, it's more battle with electricity. Woo. Which is you, Pikachu. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he does another cheek stroke. Ugh, so, first base yay. again. I just wanted to point out, I don't know why I wrote this down. <laughs> 
I wrote Game of Thrones while drunk, which if you're wondering what the heck that means in this context, <laughs> it's just because I was trying to think of they're sitting through this class and she once again sits through this entire class, which we've got to assume is at least an hour or so. And she's not taking in. She doesn't even know what the what the movie they're watching is, what subject is on. She's so distracted. And I feel like a perfect distraction from her distraction with Edward would be like, try to actually watch the movie. Maybe like let that distract you. I don't know. It's right there in front of you. She still doesn't know what it is. And I was trying to think if there was ever a time when I had watched a whole movie or something and not taken in any of what happened. And the only thing I could think of was one of the first times I ever got drunk in college and we were watching Game of Thrones. I remember vividly staring at the screen and it like just looking like static to me. Like I couldn't (laughs) even tell what we were watching. Oh my God. I knew what we were watching. I put it in. I remember the like opening credits. And then I was like, oop, it's the end. And I have no (laughs) clue what happened. Wow. How drunk were you? Did you like black out for it or? I've never blacked out, but that's the closest I've ever gotten to where it's like, (laughs) I remember, I mean, I remember the entire, you know, hour long laying on that or sitting on that bed in the dorm room, like staring at the TV, but I just could not take in any of what it was. Man, I wish I was there because I bet you like your comments were hilarious. Probably. Look, we do not condone underage drinking on this podcast. Absolutely not. But that being said, it does happen and make sure that you're in a safe environment and don't chase shots of vodka with Mike's Hard's lemonades. <laughs> and also, here's another thing. Never try to get somewhere where people have already been drinking and then try to catch up by really quickly drinking a lot. Don't do that. That's also bad. Yeah, play. pace yourself. Be pace safe. Yourself. Be safe. Party hard, but be safe. Right. <laughs> and watch Game of Thrones while drunk. It sounds fun. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to take in any of it, but sure. Maybe put the subtitles on. Maybe that'll help. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so uh she's in her Edward trance and she goes to gym class again. Mm-hmm. Mike is like giving her the cold shoulder, which she deserves. Absolutely. And she even says she feels kind of bad about being mean to him and just kind of like running away from him, but she doesn't say anything. No. At least she has the good sense to just stand there and not actually try to play badminton. Yeah, she just kind of stands in the corner of the gym for an hour. Yes. And doesn't apologize to her friend. But what can you do? She has already made it clear she does not care about his friendship. Oh, gosh. So she meets up with Edward again after gym and he continues the questioning, but it's more like deep questions, like what she misses about home. And we get some more details about her life in Phoenix, which was pretty cool. She did this like whole paragraph where she described what she liked about the outdoors and in Phoenix. I feel like Stephanie Meyer actually did kind of a good job of that, like similar to when she described First Beach. Like I got a good feel of what it looked like and I've never been to Arizona or anywhere in the desert. So she's really good at describing scenery. She is. She's good at describing scenery. And some of her descriptions here like really stuck with me about like the smells, bitter, slightly resinous, but still pleasant. The high keening sound of the cicadas in July, the feathery barrenness of the trees, very size of the sky, extending white blue from horizon to horizon, barely interrupted by the low mountains covered with purple volcanic rock. The hardest thing to explain was why it was so beautiful to be. To justify a beauty that didn't depend on the sparse, spiny vegetation that often looked half dead. A beauty that had more to do with the exposed shape of the land, with the shallow bowls of valleys between the craggy hills and the way they held on to the sun. I liked that. Good job, Stephanie. Yeah. Point, point in your direction. One point for Stephanie. One point. I guess two after first page. Oh, true. Two points. Yeah, two points for Stephanie Meyer. I think we think of Bella as like not being particularly outdoorsy, but I think she is. She just doesn't like the wet and the cold and the... I mean, I feel like she still probably was clumsy in Arizona, but maybe it's easier not to trip over things in the desert. There's less things to trip over, less branches and rocks. (laughs) But yeah, I picked up on that too. It was like, oh, it sounds like she actually kind of enjoyed the 
outdoors there. And I, I just kind of picture her as like a homebody, just wants to stay at home under her covers. But it's just the climate. Right. So we use the word twilight again. Oh my god, here. I was so excited. I wrote it in all caps. They use the word again. <laughs> so at this point, I think they're like, they've driven home, they're sitting, I think in Edward's car, just kind of chatting about these yeah, questions. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just like go inside her house. I know, right? They're weird. They just sit there. <laughs> so they notice it's gotten dark. Edward says, it's twilight. Looking at the western horizon, obscured as it was with the clouds. And then he goes, it's the safest time of day for us, he said. The easiest time, but also the saddest in a way. The end of another day, the return of the night. Darkness is so predictable, don't you think? He smiled wistfully. I like the night, said Bella. Without the dark, we'd never see the stars. Okay, this is around the point when I started feeling like something had happened, and I apologize, Twilight listeners. I felt very anti-Bella throughout this whole chapter. Mm. I mean, I guess that's not really anti-Twilight, but I, I kind of appreciated what Edward said there. You know, he's got this lonely existence. He's got this night that stretches on where he can't sleep, and he just has to occupy his time. But Bella, I hate, I hate this idea of like, I like the night. Without the dark, we'd never see the stars. You know, it's just like one of those, we wouldn't know how good chocolate tastes without the existence of broccoli. It's like, no, shut up. I mean, that's not exactly a one for one there. But I I guess I just, I think it's just kind of like the the idea of like, what what 17 year olds really care about seeing the stars? Like seeing the stars is such an overrated, maybe here's the thing. I think I'm just heartless and not romantic. Sunsets, sunrises, I don't really care. You know, like I'm just not, oh, see the stars. Okay. Like who cares? They're there. I I felt the same way. Like, I felt like they were reaching for something here and I was just not on board with it. It was like, I honestly just picked it up because they used the word twilight and I was trying to like determine how that made well, the title of the Edward's book. Well, saying, yeah, what Edward's saying about twilight I think makes sense. The safest time for vampires, it's dark or, you know, it's like, it's still light out but there's no more sunlight so he's not gonna have sunlight issues or whatever. But I, I think it's the Bella response that's so, if I'm trying to put on my twilight metaphor hat, I would assume that this is supposed to be, I'm good with you. I'll make the night better because I enjoy the darkness. Oh, you're right. Pick me because we complement each other and I can I can be that shining starlight in your lonely darkness, <laughs> I think, is yeah. what we're going for. Yeah, I, but, I can see I that. Know, come on. Anyway. I was thinking maybe it's like a metaphor for walking the boundary between good and evil because like day and night, good and evil. And it's like, oh, he's a monster, but he doesn't want to be a monster and she's in love with them and it's that sure they were trying i honestly they were trying. i just well, they liked tried that they used the word twilight yes so that's almost the end of the chapter it wraps up with edward saying oh no there's another complication which is the fact that jacob black and his father billy black who we meet for the first time here, roll up right before Charlie gets home. Edward speeds off and there's kind of a tense moment where it's pretty clear that like Billy Black knows that Bella was just with Edward and she's like, mm, come on, could he really believe in those stories that Jacob clearly doesn't believe in about vampires and stuff? And just looking at his face, she's like, oh yeah, Billy Black believes this is not gonna <laughs> be good for me. Mm-hmm. He stares at her with intense, anxious eyes and she knows. So she's like, could he really believe the impossible 
possible legends that his son had scoffed at. But like, they're literally true. You already know they're true. What do you mean the impossible legend? They're not impossible. They're literally correct. And why are you judging him? Like, <laughs> he just knows what's up. Yeah, that does frustrate me with Bella. I'm yeah. like, she's in the know. She's got it. But she doesn't want anyone else to be in the know. And she's like, yeah, but come on. It's so unbelievable. Why would they believe it? It's really not that unbelievable. They do such a terrible job of hiding the fact that they're supernatural. <laughs> yeah. And that was chapter 11, complications. I think the other complication was supposed to be the fact that they are itching to touch each other in the dark. I think that's the <laughs> other complication with their relationship. Innocent electricity or sexual tension? One of the two. Who knows? Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> All right. Chapter 12, balancing. I read this whole chapter. Why is it called balancing? Okay, I was trying to figure it out. Is it because she's clumsy and she's trying to balance? Probably. I do think that this chapter, probably second to Port Angeles, or or the chapter, whatever it was, Theory, the one following Port Angeles, where they actually say that he's a vampire and all that. I think this is the second one where it's very clear that she's like, oh wait, there is a line. She mentioned something about like balancing, balancing on a precipice in their relationship, and they're going to tip one way or the other, depending on if he gives in to his temptation of like eating her, <laughs> or if... They can, I don't know, make it make it work. So I do think that it, it is like their relationship is now on this point of we're either going all in. And I think from this point forward, it does seem like after this chapter, it's like, okay, You're we're right. going okay. all in. I think that's Into it. the vampire world, into the relationship. And at this point, they're still teetering here. Like, we're going to be alone together this weekend. Is it going to happen? Is it not? And leading up to when they actually do spend the day A together on Saturday, she's just balancing there trying to say, okay, we figured it out. We know why. You're right. Because there definitely us. is the point when she's like so like they're leading up to going on this trip together over the weekend and there's a point where she's like this feels like a turning point and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of weird because she's like the options are i die <laughs> or we start dating why isn't there an option that's like we decide it's too hard and we, we don't date because it's bella and as we've seen she's very dramatic and gives herself two terrible choices <laughs> do nothing or leave him forever we start dating or i die those are the only <laughs> options for bella that's it no middle ground but before we get to all that, we have a very important subplot to talk about here. Oh, what's that? Yeah, we're gonna make a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, yeah. And I just want to point out this right here. While there's already been a couple food moments, the lemonade bottle, the mushroom ravioli that I've talked about and how they have resonated with me, this is the one where I'm like, there are three pages where there's literally every other sentence is a subplot about making the freaking grilled cheese. It's not just like, hey, I ate a bowl of cereal or I grilled some steak for Charlie. No, no, no. Let me, let me just real quick. Okay, I did not pick up on this, so fill me in. What's up with the grilled cheese? Okay. <clears throat> How about you, Charlie? I called over my shoulder as I fled around the corner. Sure, he replied, his voice moving in the direction of the front room. This is when she asked him if she wants some food. The grilled cheese sandwiches were in the frying pan, and I was slicing up a tomato when I sent someone behind me. So Jake is going to come in. They're going to chit-chat. I'm just going to read the parts about the sandwich. I stared down at the pan, pulling up the edge of the sandwich to check the bottom side. I nodded non-committally, keeping my eyes down as I flipped the sandwiches. Jacob, could you hand me some plates? They're in the cupboard. He got the plates in silence. So who was it, he asked, setting two plates on the counter next to me. I stayed in the front room after I carried the food out to Charlie, pretending to watch the game while Jacob chattered at me. There are six sentences I've just read that are all 
about making grilled cheese sandwiches, getting the plates, carrying them out, eating the food. And I just read them all in order. This is spaced over three pages. It's like every other sentence. <laughs> and it just bugs me. That's a lot of detail about making the grilled cheese. Apparently it's important. Maybe it's a metaphor. I don't think so. I think they, it's just one of these, this is the kind of thing I think people talk about with Stephanie Meyer of like, sometimes when you write, and I've noticed this about myself, you get bogged down in dialogue and you, and you have a hard time wanting to just have a dialogue, uh, you know, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so you feel like you need to put action in there. You need to have the characters doing something. Mm -hmm. Now in real life, people just talk. People stand still and they talk or they sit down and they talk. But in this, it's like, oh, I need I need them to be doing something. Okay, what if, she making, what if she's making sandwiches? So every action in between every sentence can just be like, I cut up a <laughs> slice of tomato. Also, don't put tomato on grilled cheese. That's just, I mean, I know people do it, but I'm not a fan. Honestly, to me, it's better than like the over description of reactions to a conversation. Because when Bella and Edward are conversing, it's like, he stared dramatically and then he was suddenly furious and then he cracked a smile and laughed. <laughs> I felt my heart stop and then start again. I gulped. Right. I blinked. <laughs> Kirsten Stewart, get ready to do all these things. Yeah. I like hearing about the grilled cheese better than like being jarred by their emotional reactions. I just think sometimes authors need to understand that you can just have dialogue if you want. Yeah. You can just have a conversation. It's fine. Just make them talk. So it's pretty funny. There's a little bit here. I love Billy and Jacob's relationship where they're both kind of ratting each other out because they get there and like, oh, it's been so long that we've been here. And Charlie's like, oh, well, you want to stay for the game? And Jacob just rats out his dad immediately is like, yeah, our TV broke. That's why we came. <laughs> That's the only reason we're here. <laughs> yeah. And then Billy immediately rats out his son and is like, yeah, and Jacob wanted to see, was anxious to see Bella again. <laughs> like, great. I liked that. I yeah, like their little back funny. and forth. So there's a lot of that. Of course, Jacob is asking again about the hyperdrive generator that he needs for his car. <laughs> and, uh... Hyperdrive generator. What is it course, actually? The master the, cylinder? The master cylinder. <laughs> yeah. T95 hyperdrive cylinder. What was it from your game? T18 hyperdrive generator. That's it. Or T14 hyperdrive generator. Something like that. Anyway, <laughs> it's pretty great. They're chit-chatting and the whole scene is really about Bella stressing out of whether or not Billy Black is going to like tell her father that he saw her and Edward together. Right. But he doesn't. He's going to rat out his son, but he's not going to rat out Bella. Which again, I'm still like, why does it matter? We, we learn later from Jacob that Charlie, the last time Billy and Charlie hung out, Charlie fiercely defended the Collins because Billy was kind of roasting them. Charlie's down with the Collins. Charlie loves the Collins. He's not gonna care. Oh, well. Oh, well. I also noticed, and this is something mostly for later books, but this is the first time we see when Charlie is saying goodbye to Billy, he's gonna respond with the phrase, sure, sure. And it's something, I'm just noting it because it's the first time, but Billy and Jacob Black are both gonna say this phrase over and over and over over the course of the next several books. How in the world, how is this being said? Because Charlie says, come up for the next game, Charlie encouraged. Sure, sure, Billy said. So is it like, sure, sure. I'm trying to think how, how he says it. Is he saying <laughs> It doesn't like, seem very sure, enthusiastic. Sure. Is it, yeah, because I yeah. read this as not being, I, I read this as like dismissive. Like, oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Or is it like, sure, sure. I don't know how he's saying it, but it always bugs me. If I don't think someone's going to do something, I'll be like, oh, sure, you know. But right. I guess it could be like, sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, that bugs me. We're reading into it. We are. Okay. So they leave 
without saying anything. She wins her battle with Billy, even though Charlie wouldn't care. Except Billy does say, in a very serious tone, you take care, Bella. And that's it. So I was kind of bummed. I wanted some action, man. I feel like we haven't had some action in a while. I wanted somebody to duke it out, but we got nothing. You wanted Bella and Billy Black to like have a fight? Yeah, or just like some sort of plot twist. The plot's very predictable right now. Not according to Edward. <laughs> Which is what we're about to get to. So, again, Bella's about to go to bed and Charlie's like, yeah, he keeps asking her if she wants to postpone her trip so that he can come with her. I think he feels bad for, like, always deserting her, going fishing every weekend and right. working all the time. Again, this is when she's kind of doing these, like, half lies about what she's doing, about the fact that she doesn't want to invite anyone else to go with her. Like, we keep repeating, just tell him. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, is is it the kind of thing where he likes the Cullen family, but then he maybe would turn on them because he's, like, would be an overprotective dad and doesn't want her to date a Colin. I don't know, because he seems fine with her dating. Like, he, yeah, dating. Because he wanted her to go to the dance with someone. I just don't get it. I feel like Charlie's cool. He, he wants her to date someone. He's down with the Collins, and she's just like, no, dad. You can't be a part of my life. Yeah. So the next day, though, it's Friday and she's happy that it's Friday. Yep. She wakes up all cheerful. And I don't know about you, so the past two days when Edward was, like, bombarding her with questions in school, I kept thinking it was Friday. And, like, the next day they were gonna go on this trip so each morning when she woke up she was like and then i he picked me up for school again i'm like wait i thought it was the trip did that happen to you i kept thinking it was like the next day for the past three days in the book yeah i completely lost track of what day it was yeah i don't even know like i guess this is just still the week leading up after the whole port angeles thing so i mean they had two days of watching that movie in class i don't know how many days it's been that's true yeah i've not kept track well (laughs) just another thing to note guys how did you sleep he asked I was wondering if he had any idea how appealing his voice was. Fine. How was your night? Pleasant. His smile was amused. I felt like I was missing an inside joke. Ew. Me too, readers. Ew. And something is happening. I know we're, what it we're is. We're coming back to it. Don't worry. Next couple chapters. Oh, we'll get to it. I completely breezed over that line, but now I'm so sketched out. Okay. I know. It's sketchy when you know everything. <laughs> I, I've mentioned several different ones that's coming up. We're getting to it. Okay. So then there's this whole weird subplot about he drives her to school but then like at lunchtime is is like hey so me and Alice are gonna peace out I'm not going to biology I'm skipping the second half of the day because I need to feed on a bunch of animals so that I can be around you tomorrow like geez how much does he need to drink I just don't get it's like vampires are fast you can't just do it overnight you need to also leave during the day yeah what the heck yeah although he does also say that he can't endure any more of that biology movie apparently it's not Mulan no apparently not and then she's like okay well I guess I'll just walk home he's like no I'm gonna get you your truck don't worry about it and she's like yeah that's not gonna happen because i'm pretty sure i was pretty sure my key was in the pocket of a pair of jeans i wore wednesday under a pile of clothes in the laundry who just leaves a single key in their pocket like shouldn't it be on a key ring or in your purse or your backpack why i don't understand i know that she's been he's been picking her up to drive her but like why is your car key not just with your house key like shouldn't you have i i don't although it also seems like she doesn't have a house key because they talk a lot about how she's putting the key like in the eaves of above the door at her oh. home. I don't, I, look, get it, make a copy. I mean, this is, I know it's 2005, but you can do also, it. Also, you live with the chief of police. Like, shouldn't he have better security on his house out of anyone in that town? I, it, like, I could understand if you, if your key was for some reason
reason separate than all your other keys, your car key, you can understand how you could accidentally leave it in your jeans. But if you did accidentally leave it in your jeans, you're probably not going to remember. That's like when you can't remember where my key is. Mm-hmm. But she remembers that she, so she actively took off her jeans, threw them in a pile in her in her laundry room, and then knows that she did that. <laughs> that's what? the designated spot for her keys. It just doesn't make any sense. You're so right, because that's where it would be when you didn't know where they were. She's uh. confusing, man. She's complex. Bella starts being all the good's good and everything's gravy again when she's, you know, supposed to be afraid of him, but instead it just keeps telling herself, like, it doesn't matter. Don't be afraid of him. Yep. I repeated in my head. She goes over the whole thing again where she's like, yeah, I might die tomorrow, but I can't do anything else. So it's cool. Oh, well. Oh, well. Can't lose him. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Whatever. We finally find out a tad bit more about his family. Sounds like Alice is the more supportive member of his family. She's down with the Bella Edward thing. Mm-hmm. She's like captain of the Bedward ship. Bedward? Ella? I don't know. What What are we doing? Are we doing Bedward? Bellward? Bellward? I don't know. I hate all of them. It's not any better. I know, man. They really don't have any good ship names in this. I think, okay, I don't like Bedward. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Ella? Ed- Ed- Edla? Edla? <laughs> I don't know. It's awful. Vote in the comments. What's the best couple name? What's the best? Actually, let me see. I'm going to look this up because there's got to be one. I bet what? it's Bedward. Bella Edward ship name. Yeah, Bedward. No. Sorry. Why? What the heck is the well, I want to know what the um Bedward is the is the ship name between Bella Swan and Edward Cullen. I want to know what the Bella Jacob ship name is. Yeah, what is the Bella Jacob? Jella? Come on, guys. You had Belcub in your pocket. You went with Jella. <laughs> and you had what was the one you liked? Belcub. Belcub is terrible. <laughs> Ooh. I don't like Bedward either. Okay. Well, that's what we've got so far. Can we do anything with their last names like Swan and Cullen? Swollen. 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 Okay. Anyway, so Alice is captain of the Bedward ship. (laughs) Where are you headed, Bedward? (laughs) Bedward. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. Bella and Edward heading to Bedward. Heading in the Bedward direction. It's funny because they kind of want to bang. All right, so Rosalie <laughs> hates Bella, so I think we can now officially put Alice on Team Mary and Rosalie on Team Rachel. Oh, sweet. It's been a while since we've updated our Civil War Twilight teams. Okay. Team Pro, we're putting Alice. I'll take Rosalie. She glares at Bella across the cafeteria. Edward hisses at her and says she's just protective because everyone is in danger if the Bella Edward thing, quote, ends badly, which means he kills her. <laughs> Rosalie, she seems like pretty real, so I'll take her. Yeah, she's worried about his family's reputation since they've been together so publicly. And I mean, not reputation. Yikes. That, that's not what I meant. I mean, <laughs> she's worried about th- their family's safety and ability to have hide their secret since he's also been around Bella so much like that if anything were to happen to Bella people would immediately think of Edward and by extension their family. (sighs) Anyway there's some stuff on page 245 that bugs me. What's that? Because well we've been talking a lot about why does Edward like Bella? We get Bella's intrigue Mm -hmm. and we've admitted that Bella is more interesting here than she is in the movie but I kind of don't like I'm back and forth. It's like I'm, I'm glad that they bring this up and that they don't just 
because some books would have just sort of said like, oh, you just believe they love her or he loves her because he loves her, whatever, you know, that's it. But instead, we have Bella constantly saying, I don't understand why you're interested in me either. And Edward just gets frustrated and he's like, you don't see yourself clearly at all. You're not like anyone I've ever known. You fascinate me. Other people are so predictable, but you, you never do what I expect. You always take me by surprise. Me as a reader is saying, this doesn't sound like love or interest. This is like, oh, she's a puzzle. She's different than other people. Mm -hmm. It's not really the same thing. But then we have Bella straight up saying here, I looked away, my eyes wandering back to his family, embarrassed and dissatisfied. His words made me feel like a science experiment. I wanted to laugh at myself for expecting anything else. So she recognizes also that like he's clearly intrigued by her. He wants to know more. But to me, it still sounds like he's mostly interested in her because he doesn't know, he doesn't know what she's thinking. And because she's also so obsessed with him, like it is unique that she does not appear to be afraid of him. And she knows what he is and she's still not afraid of him. Right. He keeps doing these things and being like, be afraid of me. And she's reacting not in the way he would expect because Mm -hmm. she's not purely reacting on self-preservation. She's reacting on emotional preservation. Yeah, I agree. And it kind of takes away from the whole bedward ship. (laughs) And they use such a cop out here because he says, but there's more and it's not so easy to put into words. And then that's when Rosalie glares at her. Yeah. And so they just trail off and she's like, shoot, he was going to say more, but now I don't know what it was. You could ask him, dude. (laughs) You're still talking. Yeah, I picked up on that too. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll come back to that later. But honestly, I'm probably going to forget that this happened (laughs) when, when it comes up. Yeah, it was a weird exchange. Yeah, so then we briefly meet Alice. She comes up to the table and kind of just says hi to Bella and it's nice to meet her and Bella is awkwardly like hi And that's about it. Then they leave and Bella like feels a sense of duty to like stay at school the rest of the day because she was like, oh no, Edward's gone. My world is crushed. How am I going to make it through the rest of the day? And then she's like, wait, no. Edward's worried that if anything happens this weekend, it's going to look bad on him. So I need to show people that I can be alone without Edward to protect him. (laughs) It was, I don't know. So she goes to gym and has a terrible time playing badminton and then kind of goes home and in gym mike questions her about seattle if she's still gonna go this weekend and then she tells him another lie that she decided not to go just decided to stay home and do laundry and do homework this is where i start getting confused because last chapter we were talking about how she's still lying and saying that she's going to seattle even though she's not but she's refusing to mention the edward part even though she actually had told jessica that she was going to seattle with edward but then because of the whole rosalie situation with her being afraid that they've been together too publicly, she now changes tactic, starts telling the truth to people that she's not going to Seattle, but then leaving out the part that she's going to be with Edward to try and protect Edward. And even making excuses for him when she says she's not going to Seattle. And then Mike actually asks her like, oh, are you going to be hanging out with Edward? And she's like, no, Edward's busy. So she's even making up excuses for why Edward isn't going to be with her. Yeah, she's straight up lying. Frustrates Edward, of course, because he's like, no, tell people I'm with you because I need an excuse not to kill you. Which is just so messed up on so many levels. Mike, of course, is like, oh, well, you could still come to the dance then. And then she gives him, like, a really rude, like, Mike, I'm not going to the dance. Like, that was not necessary. She just told him two other times in this conversation that she's not going to the dance, that she doesn't want to go to the dance. And then he just keeps asking. And so it's like one of these things where, Bella, do you want to go to the dance? No. Okay, Bella, but what if you go to the dance? No, I'm not going. Okay, but Bella, what if you want to go to the dance? No, I'm not going. Are you going to go to the dance with Edward? No, I'm not going. Okay, why don't you 
you go though as a group with us for fun? I'm not going. Oh geez, okay, I was just asking. That's what it really has been over You're the last right. several chapters. So I like, I get it. I'm just so in tune to like Bella being a jerk that <laughs> I didn't right. like put all that together. Well, that's why it's my job to speak up for Bella here. Right. See? Good job being team pro. Yes. So in this one instance, you're right. She is rude to him, but it's because of all of the annoyingness he's been doing. Anyway. So somehow Edward performs a miracle and her truck is there. (laughs) Yep. So her truck's there. She drives it home. There was the keys and then a single note that said, be safe. And there was like a little picture in the book of this like elegant handwriting that said, be safe, which I always kind of like when books do that, when they put in like a real looking handwriting thing. If it's a letter, it's cute. It is cute. Also, this reminded me again, because we need to shout out our friend Anna as much as possible. Anna used to drive her truck to school. The white tornado. The white tornado's old white truck that she used to drive to school. And I remember getting so frustrated with her because she would just leave the, the key in the car and like <laughs> leave it unlocked and then go to class and then like drive it home. Like you take the key with you. Lock your car. She's like, no one's going to take it. And I also am a very, oh, no one's going to steal my computer off the table at Starbucks if I run to the bathroom. I try to believe in the goodness of people, but don't leave your key in the car. Oh my (laughs) god! at least she did better in that the key wasn't in the ignition. Edward leaves it in the ignition. I'm sure she put it in like the mirror or something. I don't know. In a little compartment. I get Edward's joke of like, haha, no one's gonna steal your old car. But like, at least in Anna's case, and I'm sure she doesn't still do this. I don't know, it was a high school. I'm like, it's a lot of people weren't able to drive to school. I bet like if someone knew there was a car up for grabs. They get caught really fast if they tried it. You would get caught really fast. (laughs) But still, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It's funny. Shout out to Anna. We love you. We love Anna. So this part I thought was funny. She gets home and then she goes and checks the laundry where like she said her key would be. And she's like, oh, they're not there. I guess I did leave them on the ring. Of course, they're not going to be there. They're in your hand, dummy. Yeah, I don't know why she checked. Like maybe she was hoping to find like her jeans on the top of the pile so that it would be like someone dug through it, found the jeans, took the key out, left it. But the fact that the jeans were exactly like on the bottom where she thought they'd be, I think she's just still, it's like, girl, you know that they're mythical vampires. You know that they have super speed and don't sleep and don't eat and all this, but you're so still like, she still can't wrap her mind around the fact that they would have, I guess, been able to find them and not make it look like they found it. Yeah. Yep. She's like checking the locks. Like, oh, yep. They were locked the same way. Okay. So best case scenario, you did leave your keys somewhere visible. They still broke into your house and took your keys. I know, right? Isn't she like a, at least a little bit weirded out at how they got into her house? And this is something that I've heard debated before as like one of the big, this is why Twilight's bad. Because there was a while, and, and this is something my mom keeps telling me. She's like, my mom told me when, when Twilight first came out, she read the books and she was like, I really think guys, like teenage guys should read these books to understand some of how some girls like brains work in terms of like what they want, like what they view as being romantic or whatever. And I kind of see her point, but I think you need like a big asterisk there of like we don't want you to do these things we don't want you to break into our house and like steal our car that's not what we're saying but we do like the fact that it's this more of oh this chivalrous guy was able to do a favor for her basically like we like and I'm using we broadly like not all girls that's what I was gonna say I was like there's another huge asterisk that's like sure not everyone wants this 
<laughs> yeah, and so I think it kind of goes both ways. Like, I, I, I do think you have to understand that the way I look at Twilight is it is a great representation of how certain people's mindsets towards romantic acts and relationships work, and also later on, you know, breakups and other things and heartache and first love and all that kind of stuff. But but it's a, it's a metaphor. It's an allegory. It's a, this is not really how people think. People do not generally have a crush on someone and then feel as if their world is coming to an end repeatedly when they notice he's not in the cafeteria. <laughs> exactly. You know? Like, that's not, that's not accurate. And if you want to do something nice for someone, please, please do not break into their house and steal their car. Exactly. But, but like, the sentiment of feeling a small portion of like, oh man, I'm bummed that I didn't get to sit next to my crush in class today. You know, like that, I get. While I don't think people could say that they've really, really, really turned off the lights, watched a movie, and felt electricity crackling around them, <laughs> there is that element of like, ooh, it's it's dark now. Like, ooh, they're right there. Mm-hmm. I could brush them with my shoulder. Like, they, it's all of these are very exaggerated versions of some real world feelings. And obviously, like, yeah, not all people are the same. Not all guys and girls act like this or want this yeah. from each other, but whatever. Anyway, back to the book. So, <laughs> so then she's still on her, like, rampage of telling everybody, telling everyone that she's not gonna, that she's gonna be alone and mm-hmm. that she's not actually going to Seattle. She calls Lauren, I mean, not Lauren, haha. <laughs> LOL. She calls Jessica and tells Jessica that she's not actually going with Edward anymore and Jessica's, like, super bummed Yeah, and she it. says that Edward canceled on her. So now Jessica thinks, like, they're over. It's, I don't and- know. Like, why did, yeah, why'd you have to, like, rat Edward out? Or not rat out. Why'd you have to, like, make him look bad? Yeah, exactly. And then she lies to Charlie. She says, like, hey, dad, I decided you're right. I don't want to spend the day alone in Seattle. I'm just going to do homework and chores all day. Why? I don't know. I don't know. She tells him to go fishing because they're down to a two or three year supply a fish. of fish in the freezer. <laughs> I thought ha, that was funny. Hilar- hilarious fish. And then this is where I just draw the line with Bella. I was relieved when it was late enough to be acceptable for bedtime. I was far too stressed to sleep, so I did something I've never done before. I deliberately took unnecessary cold medicine, the kind oh. that knocked me out for a good eight hours. I normally wouldn't condone that type of behavior in myself, but tomorrow would be complicated enough without me being loopy from sleep deprivation on top of everything else. Yeah. Hello? We do not condone the use of medical help for non-medical reasons. Yeah. You're nervous about your date tomorrow? Okay, welcome to being a teenager. Don't overdose on cold medicine so you can go to bed. Jesus Christ, Bella. Oh my gosh. No, stop. I mean, like, yeah, it probably wouldn't kill you to take a Benadryl. But, like, still. Yeah. I was I was not okay with that either. I was over her. Yeah. I was over her. I mean, here's the thing. I do I do identify with this. Like, I miss the excitement that I feel like was very rampant all throughout, like, middle school and high school of, like, oh, it's Friday. You're so excited to, you know, through school all day to, like, ride the bus home with your friend. Or maybe you're going to have a sleepover. Or maybe there's a football game at school and you get to go to that. Or there's a dance the next day or something exciting that's happening on the weekend. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like nowadays I'll get excited kind of about stuff that's happening but my schedule my life is so busy that I don't have time to just sit around in anticipation anymore it's like okay every moment is full like yeah maybe there's something good tomorrow but like today's still packed you don't have time to be nervous for it yeah I don't have time to be nervous for stuff anymore until like the hour leading up to things that I'm really nervous I feel that different stuff I'm a student right now I'm a grad student and I do a lot of like presentations and it's just like it's so busy that I feel the same way I don't get nervous for them anymore just because I'm like so busy trying to get everything done. I don't have time to get nervous for the presentations. Yeah. So it's, it is kind of something that I do miss that I, I can understand here. All right. So it's Saturday. They're going to 
hang out. Edward shows up in the morning and they're dressed the same. They're both wearing jeans and white shirts and tan sweaters. Mm-hmm. Of course, Bella's is described as a tan sweater. Edward's, because it's Edward, is described as a light tan sweater. Because <laughs> all of his clothes is light. Is the tan light or is the sweater light? Is the sweater light? I would assume the tan, but like, why is Bella's tan not light? Why is it just, I don't know. I thought it was a sweater. Uh, whatever. So, yay, that's so adorable. Cute. Cute. Okay, so they're gonna go drive the Chuck. They drive out of the town into like, he tells her where to go, into a wooded location. And <laughs> he tells her they're going hiking off a trail. I, I do like this though. He says, we're gonna drive. Drive down the pavement and then she, until the road ends. And she says, and what is where the pavement ends? And he says, a trail. <laughs> and they get there. And he's like, yeah, by the way, we're not taking the trail. I told you there was a trail, not that we were taking it. I right. do think that part is funny. Right. So they're driving and he roasts her for her car being slow. And she says, this car is old enough to be your car's grandfather. Show some respect. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, I love that one too. He tells her it's going to be five miles. And this was a nice little potato moment. She's like, five miles. I didn't answer so that he wouldn't hear my voice crack in panic. Five miles of treacherous roots and loose stones trying to twist my ankle or otherwise incapacitate me. This was going to be humiliating. Well, it's either going to be humiliating or incapacitating, one or the other. Right. Like either you break your leg or you're just a little embarrassed. Yeah, there's like so many little things that bug me. Like she's, they're halfway there driving and she's like, so what are we going to do? And he says, hiking. And she's like, oh, good thing I wore my tennis shoes. So what if she didn't wear it? What if she was wearing flip-flops and we find out that they're hiking? Like, Edward, you should have told her. Yeah. I mean, maybe he, like, got there, noticed she was wearing tennis shoes, thought it was fine, didn't say anything. But I personally, I hate when someone's like, oh, we're going to just go do something. Do what? Do I? What do I need to wear? Yeah. It is one of my irrational fears of being underprepared or, like, underdressed or overdressed or going somewhere and, like, being sweaty. And then you, like, hike and they're like, let's go to a restaurant. Like, ah, oh, but I don't, I need a change of clothes or, like, I wish I could have brought a towel or who knows like I like to be prepared yeah and I just am not as spontaneous as Bella I guess no I felt the same way I would be annoyed if someone was like oh we're going on a a date and I'm not gonna tell you what it is and because you gotta dress for the occasion if you're hiking you need to wear your hiking shoes if you're going to classy restaurant you gotta wear your classy restaurant shoes yeah although to be fair the one time I was told by someone that like they were just gonna take me somewhere and we were gonna go do something and it was a surprise it was very nice. Okay. Did they tell you what to wear at least? I don't remember. I feel like if they tell you what to wear, it'd I think be nice. they told me to wear like comfortable clothes okay. and that it was going to be cold. So I think that's fine. Like, yeah, you just got to give someone like a little bit of insight. Right. I would appreciate that. And then they have a little bit more of this discussion. He kind of gets angry at her because she tells him that, yeah, I, I did not tell Charlie that I was going with you. And he's like, ah, but Jessica thinks we're going to be together. And she's like, oh no, I told Jessica that we weren't going to be together. And he's getting upset. And she explains that because of what he said about Rosalie and not being in public together. And he says, so you're worried about the trouble it might cause me if you don't come home. (laughs) Bella, get your mind right. Right? This is such an unhealthy way of thinking. This is not okay. I mean, there's being romantic and obsessed with someone and then there's literally having no sense of self-preservation. I mean, maybe it's because like the back of her mind, she just feels like he's not going to hurt her. She doesn't know that. She's clouded with something because I do feel like at least some part of you must be worried about dying. She she mentions at one point like a tiny piece of her wondering if it was if it would hurt if things went badly. Yeah. Like physically, like she's worried about the pain. 
pain. I'm like, for me, that's a thing about death that I think comes up a lot in like books and movies and TV when people are like, oh, does it hurt to die? Like, mm-hmm. or, or, oh, would this thing hurt? I don't know why. For me, the, the pain of the act of dying does not bother me as much as you're not gonna exist anymore then. <laughs> like, is that not getting to you at all? Yeah, seriously. I agree, because like, it might hurt, but it's not gonna hurt for long if you're gonna die. Right, then you're, then you're dead. Right. So, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, this is the line I talked about before where they finally get there and get out of the car and he starts walking towards the woods on the opposite side of the trail and she's like, the trail? Panic was clear in my voice as I hurried around the truck to catch up to him. I said there was a trail at the end of the road, not that we were taking it. No trail? I asked desperately. (laughs) Okay, and then here's another thing because we gotta end on some horniness. Of course. Okay, he turned then with a mocking smile and I stifled a gasp. His white shirt was sleeveless and he wore it unbuttoned. Okay, I just want to just describe here. So he's wearing a button-up sleeveless shirt. Yeah, I was... Is that a thing? No. What What is this that he's wearing? This is like, like, I picture he's like basically wearing a vest mm-hmm. that buttons. Yeah, I picture like, like a, a shirt. dress shirt, but there's no sleeves and it's unbuttoned. It doesn't look good, whatever it is. And why is it unbuttoned? Why? Yeah. You're not hot, are you? I, I know it's a nice day. Is it hot out? You took off your sweater to reveal not just like, oh, he's wearing a tank top. Like, no, he's wearing a tank top that's a button up and it's unbuttoned. <laughs> and not just like, oh, the top two buttons are like the whole thing. He's wearing just like an open vest. <laughs> he's like Aladdin. I don't care what how is he sexy doing? you are. That is not a good look. Yeah, I didn't like that. I was like, the only possible explanation is by sleeveless. She means short sleeve. And even then, I don't like it. A short sleeve shirt that buttons all the way up. I mean, there are some of those. Yeah, it's like a short sleeve, like, dress shirt. Right, but I, I assume that must be what she means when she says sleeveless. Yeah. But a lot of times sleeveless means, like, tank top. Uh, anyway, it does mean tank top. I, look, okay, <laughs> but whatever. There's not a sleeveless button-up shirt. No, this bugs me. I don't like it. Because, you know, she looks over and she's shocked that he's his chest is all muscular naked. whatever. And if, if it were me, I would look over and be like, where the heck did you get that shirt? <laughs> what, what did you make what this yourself? What are you wearing? Yourself? What are you wearing? Is this like the jort version of a dress shirt? You just cut off the sleeves? Yeah, this bugs me. (laughs) So then there's like two pages of them struggling to hike for a while. Yeah. He's hiking, I assume, fine, and she's struggling. Well, first she gets really sad because she sees him in his like weird button-up shirt glory and... Suddenly, she feels like she's not worthy of, like, being with him. She says something along the lines of, like, surely this god could not be meant for me. He asks her what's wrong, and she lies and just says that she's bad at hiking. She's nervous about the hike, but oof. Yeah, and again, this is, I guess, why he finds her intriguing, because instead of being actually worried about the hike or actually worried about, like, not getting home safe, she's instead just like, oh, he's too pretty. Yeah. And I'm not. Oh, girl. We end the chapter, they reach a wildflower meadow, and it's beautiful, and she runs out and she's frolicking in it, and then she turns around and realizes that Edward hasn't followed her yet, and then she's like, oh, he told me that thing about something weird happening in the sun, and then we end the chapter when he's about to step into the sun. Now, I know that we, having already read this book, and probably everyone listening to this knows what's gonna happen when he steps into the sun, but like, real quick, let's pretend you're reading this for the first time and you don't know, because I I didn't know Mm -hmm. what was gonna happen. What would be 
so much more interesting. Like, what if he, like, turned green or, like, <laughs> turned into a statue? What if he died? <laughs> what if he, like, all of a sudden, look, what if he died? <laughs> he already says he doesn't die. What if he, like, all of a sudden looks, like, completely different? Like, you know in Pirates of the Caribbean where you got, like, the pirate dudes, but then when the moon comes out, they, like, look like skeletons? Ooh. Like, what if he, like, looked like a skeleton? Oh. Or, like, something interesting. Like, what if it was cool? I would like that so much better than what actually happens. I just think it's funny. It's like, oh, myths about vampires, the sun burns them. Nope. Sparkles. So, anyway, that's that chapter. Guess what? No F. Lawrence. Lauren, completely absent from these two chapters. Good. So we're still at nine. And you know what? Maybe she should have told Lauren that that she isn't going to the dance and that she's not hanging out with Edward. And Lauren would be like, good, because you're lame. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and start off with best line, worst line. I had a really hard time finding a line that I liked. Okay. You go first then. I found some funny, like, paragraphs again. Mm-hmm. And at first I made my best line, don't fall in, because that cracked me up when she said she was doing laundry. Oh, okay. And over the weekend, he's like, what happens if, you know, you don't come home? And she's like, I don't know. I know my dad said I was going to do laundry. Maybe he'll think I fell in. And then she goes home and he's like, don't fall in. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. And then I also liked the one that you had mentioned before, which is this truck is old enough to be your car's grandfather. Have some respect. That one's good. So there's like little funny lines. I couldn't really find anything that was, because most of the lines that started off kind of sentimental or emotional, I liked part of the sentence, but then not the whole thing. Yeah. Like the whole Twilight bit. Yeah. They were trying, but it didn't work for me. (laughs) I think you picked well. The little funny bits. There were some good little funny bits. All right. What about you? What you got? Worst line, I had two. The first was when Charlie's asking her if she's going to the dance again, and she says no, and then Charlie looks disappointed. And then in her internal monologue, she's like, it must be a hard thing to be a father, to live in fear that your daughter would meet a boy she liked, but also having to worry if she didn't. And I just, the whole thing where it's like, dads don't want, dads are overprotective of their daughters, like, let me show you my gun collection. Like, it just... I hate that. I Look, maybe there are some overprotective fathers out there. That is not how I experienced my life yeah. with my father. He's not like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember if he ever did anything. I remember one time I dated this guy in high school for like a week. It was really short. By the time my dad found out that I was dating him, it was like a week later or a couple days later, maybe the weekend after we broke up, yeah. and my dad saw the guy. They were at, I don't know, some sort of running related event. I don't remember what it was. I wasn't there, but my mom came home and she told me and she said oh my gosh it was really awkward you know your dad ran into what's his name and was like oh oh hi how's it going and and was like being really friendly with him my mom had to be like they broke up (laughs) he didn't know i did not know that so there's like there's like little cute things like that but yeah but yeah he's just not i mean as described with the whole i only eat when the sun goes down scenario (laughs) like my dad was just like i don't know he's just like goofy and kind of like he he the only thing he ever did was he one time did walk in on me and someone like making out on the couch and he was like hey kids you should probably sit apart or whatever <laughs> but he like didn't he's not like scary you know he didn't like kick anyone out right. he's just like oh no we were embarrassed he's that was it a real normal person who like understands yeah, that people date in high school like this this like trope of dads being super overprotective I hate it like just let your daughter live and Charlie is not like that so I don't know why Bella's having this yeah. turn monologue he literally wants her to date someone and there's like the overprotective thing but my dad also wasn't very like, I'm not saying this in a bad way but he's not like sentimental he's not like oh crying because you're my girls all dressed up for prom or what. like I don't think he's he's not gonna like cry at my wedding or anything I don't think you know I just I don't know yeah anyway I had another b- 
bad line. It was when Edward had his weird sleeveless shirt unbuttoned. <laughs> oh, yes. And again, Bella's internal monologue. He was too perfect, I realized with a piercing stab of despair. There was no way this godlike creature could be meant for me. Okay, so I touched on that earlier because I just remembered how terrible it was. <laughs> godlike creature. I'm sure he's okay. You're obsessing. Yeah. He's probably fine. Right. But, like, I don't know. I don't think godlike. he's a godlike creature. I don't think he's too perfect. I mean, he eats people, so he can't be that perfect. Ugh. She doesn't She doesn't see him clearly. Clearly not. <laughs> All yeah. right. So what do we got for food count? Well, in chapter 11, Bella had some cereal and Charlie had fried some eggs. That's pretty on brand. Pretty on brand. Just kind of normal stuff. And then there was, of course, the whole subplot with grilled cheese. So I'm going to give half a point to the cereal and fried eggs mm-hmm. because it was just barely mentioned. But I'm going to give a whole point to the subplot with grilled cheese. I almost want to give it more than a whole point. Give it the amount of points for the number of times it was mentioned. <laughs> I would love to. I don't think it's, I don't think it's really, you know, I'm just trying to be fair here. You're right. But that brings our total up to nine. Woohoo. So we already talked about some potatoes. We had some good ones with a badminton and gym, just like ruthlessly hurting Mike and Jim with her weapon, a badminton racket. <laughs> her weapon. There was some moments with Edward, just her general inability to function when she's around Edward. We had one that said, I think this is after a conversation and it goes, I stood with care, worried my balance might have been affected by the strange new intensity between us. That must have been during the weird electricity during the bio movie. Yes. So then we had another little potato after the uh, first base slash cheek stroke, the first one. She's going to gym and it says, I hurried to change afterward, ill at ease, knowing the faster I moved, the sooner I would be with Edward. The pressure made me more clumsy than usual, but eventually I made it outdoor. Just so clumsy. Yep. It was rough. (laughs) That was three, chapter 11. Then in chapter 12, then in chapter 12, when Edward shows up to go on the hike with her, she says, I flew to the door. I had a little trouble with the simple deadbolt, but I yanked the door open at last. The reason this one gets to me is because it's her house. She has trouble with the deadbolt and in the sentence puts in that the deadbolt is simple. And so it's like she's struggling with something that she personally recognizes she shouldn't be struggling with as well. (laughs) Rough. Something she does every day. And it's like you turn the thing. Like, girl, come on. Do you need a babysitter? I've struggled many times to unlock doors with a key because like sometimes you have to like twist it a certain direction or whatever. But you're on the inside of a door. You're just, you're just twisting the knob. Yeah. How hard could it be? Apparently very hard when you're Bella. And then again, with the horror of hiking five miles and how she was worried she was going to break her leg or just kind of embarrass herself and ended up being fine. But she was horrified when she learned she had to hike five miles. So that brings us to five potatoes for these two chapters. And that leads us to a total of 28 potatoes. So many potatoes. So many. So as we mentioned before, we've added some new characters to our Captain America Civil War Twilight teams. Team Pro, Mary Krakowski, now has Mike Newton, Carlisle Cullen, Lee St- Stevens, Ooh. and Alice Cullen, who is the new... I forgot about Lee. <laughs> yeah. What? Why is Lee on my team? I, I don't, don't remember. remember. I feel like he was just so neutral. You needed someone. Yeah. All right. And then Team Khan, aka Team Rachel. We got Lauren, Iron Man. Yep. Of course. Jacob, and Rosalie Hale. My girl, glaring at Bella across the cafeteria. So good. So good. So we are going to keep expanding these when we see see fit for for more important people to be on the pro-con team. (laughs) Okay, let's rank these chapters here. I gotta admit, neither of them are my favorite. I agree. Honestly, I was like snoozing when Edward was bombarding Bella with all those questions. Like, I don't care that her color changes every day. Her favorite color changes every day. I don't care what her favorite gemstone is. 
is. I Ugh. think here's here's the difference between this this chapter and blood type, which I do like because blood type is another chapter that's just a lot of conversations between the two of them. The reason I like blood type is because this is when they sit in the cafeteria together for the first time and they're talking and they're getting to know each other. And I do like that because that is something I think they, they leave out in the movie in particular and it's it's showing their relationship evolving and getting to know each other, you know, in a in more friendship capacity at this point. But I like it because I think it's important to fill in those gaps that it doesn't just go from first sight to being in love. I think these two chapters in a similar vein are just more get to know ya, but they just come across as being more fillery than yeah. that one did. That one that one had a little bit more humor. It was exciting because it was for the first time. So I'm glad these chapters are in the book. Like I, I, I wouldn't cut them out. I would cut them out if you were like, I need to do a quick read. What's an, a chapter I could skip over? Skip over these two chapters. Yeah. They don't have much in them. Read the last couple pages of chapter 12 to get the hike into the woods part. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they're not super important because he's asking her questions. And I think probably from the reader's perspective, you care more about the interesting stuff with him right. rather than... Because we have Bella's internal monologue. So we feel like we already kind of know her. And also it's like so much of it is so irrelevant. All of her like favorite little tiny things. And learning about Phoenix was cool, but like this book never takes us to Phoenix. You know that saying like this meeting could have been an email? These two chapters could have been an email. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, they could have been much shorter. They could have been like, and then for the next two days, we watched a movie and sparks flew. I hit people with badminton and <laughs> Edward asked me some questions and got to know me better. Yeah, these two chapters could have been a paragraph. They could have been a paragraph at the beginning of another chapter. And I actually forgot that the walk in the woods was part of this chapter because for whatever reason, I remember it being longer. And I guess most of what I'm remembering is actually in chapter 13. So I'm looking forward to chapter 13. But yeah, I I forgot how, how that was just kind of crammed at the end of chapter 12 here. I also feel like we had a fake out with like the Billy Black thing because he shows up and Edward's super nervous and like, like screeches away fast and runs away. But then like nothing really happens. He doesn't say anything. And it's like, we're so close to like some cool plot twists and some action. Yeah. Nothing. So these two chapters are so similar. A lot of the same scenes. Badminton happens in both chapters. Watching the movie with sparks flying. Both chapters. Conversations at lunch. Him asking things about her. Sitting in her car talking. Both chapters. I would say chapter 12 is slightly better because it does have the fake out with Billy Black and it does have the beginning of the walk in the woods. Mm -hmm. And you do get to meet Alice and hear a little bit about Rosalie. So all of that happens in chapter 12. But I still think these two, I mean, they're either the bottom of my list here or slightly above Nightmare, but it's close. Thoughts? I'm down for putting 11 at the very bottom. I think 11's the worst, yeah. What was Nightmare? Nightmare was when she did vampire research and then went out in the woods. (laughs) Okay, I think the other one's marginally better than that. Or maybe not, because it... mm. I mean, I could go either way. Yeah. You know, I was snoozing these two chapters, 11 and 12 at the bottom, in the order of 12, 11. 12 and 11 down here at the bottom of the list. Currently, chapter 6, Scary Stories, (laughs) the the chapter without Edward, but with a lot of Jacob, (laughs) is still number one. Team Ranked Con. closely, closely followed by chapter five, Blood Type, and and then down here, way at the bottom, Balancing, and then Complications wah, wah. coming in at the worst. So, yeah. You gotta get through it, I guess. All the good is good, and the rest is gravy. Yep. Now, I do think next week, we're gonna have a more interesting time. We got a couple fun chapters coming up for the next few. And a guest. 
Who's it going to be? Who's our special guest going to be? I think nobody's going to guess. I don't think so either. But, <laughs> but do your best. Be if you guess correctly, we'll send you a cookie. We'll send you my Twilight poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one's claimed it yet. If you guess correctly, we will send you a Twilight poster yes. from 2006. All right, everyone. Feel free to send your comments and questions and predictions on who our guest is going to be next week on our website or on our Twitter at KowskiCast. That's Cat with a K. You can follow me everywhere online at Frail Mary, and you can follow Rachel at Stu on Twitter. That's S-T-U-U-U-K-E-N. Three U's. Thank you, as always, to Will from America for creating our theme song. Thank you, Will. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love it if you left a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. It'll help people find our show in the future and come with us along on this ride. Speaking of reviews, you are also welcome to, like I said, leave comments and questions on our website. And so we actually have some comments left on our website that I wanted to go over real quick. So Wes left some comments for chapters five and six, which we were just talking about, our two best chapters so far. But Wes is with me. Wes says, here's a counterpoint. Chapter five is better than chapter six. Six is two parts teen relationship drama, one part info dump (laughs) from Jacob, (laughs) and one part misleading manipulation. Five has some cringeworthy dialogue, but at least advanced character development. Plus, five has some truly funny lines, which I agree with. I love chapter five. I'm glad you mentioned the goat rocks wilderness. Your point about March is so on point, and really, once the snow does melt, the mosquitoes are out in full force. September is really the only time hiking there is great, provided there aren't forest fires creating haze at best or smoke. I also wonder where Mrs. Meyer got the humans can't smell blood information because we both (laughs) talked about how we could definitely smell blood. Love that. I feel like we can. Good catch on the humans. I missed that and I've read the chapter twice in the last week. That was when we were making fun of Edward for saying that humans can't smell blood. Yeah, so subtle. I picked up Midnight Sun from the library, so that'll take care of the rest of Saturday afternoon. He says, one miler spoiler, Effin Lauren apparently is going to make a, an appearance on page seven of Midnight yes! Sun. I'm so excited yes! to find out more about Oh my Effin God, Lauren. bring us some drama. Yay. I'm ready for it. So that's exciting. He says, Bella isn't imagining things and it isn't just the whole Tyler situation. Ooh, exciting to see what, what Lauren is really up to then. And then he says, also, sorry, PETA, but now I have images of someone firing potato guns loaded with gerbils at werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> did we talk we did. about what? What did we say about loading (laughs) potato guns with gerbils? Okay, so it was in the potato count. I was like, what can you do with that number of potatoes? And you're like, you can shoot them at werewolves with potato guns. And I I thought you said gerbils. Oh. (laughs) You can shoot them at gerbils? Yes, exactly. We do not condone shooting gerbils with potato guns. No, don't shoot gerbils with potato guns either. It's a funny image, but please do not. Right. We have to add that to the list of things that Kowski Cast does not condone. It does not condone underage drinking on this podcast. Podcast. It does not condone taking unnecessary cold medicine, <laughs> and it does not recommend shooting potato guns at gerbils. Yes. So you didn't hear glad it here. We wrapped all that up. Yep. All right, everyone. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week for our rereads of chapters 13 and 14 with a special guest. And now we're the Kowski cast. Twihards and fellow haters, thank you as always for listening. I cut up a slice of tomato.
bedward ship. Bedward? 